0: Everything you're doing right now sucks, but it is going to pay off in the long run. Don't hit your life every day right now because it's going to be okay.
1: Hey there, everybody. Hey there, career changers. Welcome to Career Therapy, the podcast. Today we have with us Eddie Patch and we are going to be chatting about taking risks and experimenting with things in your career, how to test, how to learn, how to grow. Eddie's had a really interesting history and we met back in 2014, uh, back when I was with Idea Lemon, one of my first startups, uh, and we were teaching an, a personal pitch, like personal branding course, I think you came to, uh-huh. um, called Discover Your Inner Awesome. And I actually just found the email earlier today and apparently, you got locked out of the building. And okay. We didn't let you into the building and you missed one. We just like go through really? a whole rig of morale to like get you another like refund in a class and all this other stuff.
0: So it's kind of seriously how that I actually didn't even goes. remember the topic that what it was about. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that's interesting. What else do you have there? Well, so I,
1: apparently I taught you how to do elevator pitches years ago. So if yours isn't wow. perfect, a hundred percent amazing, I'm clearly going to judge you. Um, oh, yeah. Any
0: success, <laughs> any success I have had goes back to Martin.
1: The The cool things that you were doing back then was you had like a peer to peer travel company. You worked on something called traveler. Um, and then you moved to New York. So right when we started getting to know each other, you got, you know, you went and traveled a bit. So, um, I'm going to introduce you here by reading off your LinkedIn profile, and then I'd love for you to just sort of fill us in about your journey from maybe those early days when you went to New York, what brought you back to Chicago, and, and okay. you know, what you're doing now. So your LinkedIn profile says that you are an account-based marketing consultant, mentor, and advisor. Eddie, tell us about yourself. A quick pause before Eddie does introduce himself. Uh, This is Martin from after the podcast was recorded. We actually have some great news to celebrate for Eddie. He got a promotion the same week that we recorded this episode. So the title that I just read off is no longer accurate. And uh, this is Martin from a few days later chiming back in to uh, give a little update on Eddie's current role. So, Eddie, I'm going to read off your job title from your LinkedIn And then I'll let you get back to telling us about yourself. All right. Eddie is now the principal, strategic growth, and go-to-market GTM at RoleWorks, a division of Next Inc. And he is also a co-founder, mentor, and advisor. All right. Now back to Eddie. Tell us about yourself.
0: Well, all right. Um, So, yeah, my full-time gig is uh, at a software company. It's called Rollworks. It's the B2B arm of a company called AdRoll, and so Rollworks is an account-based marketing pro, uh, platform. And I do enterprise strategic sales there. Um, so that's my my full-time thing. Um, I also on the side, I'm a founder at a, a different software. It's called Partner Portal. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm doing both those. The the advisor part, I'm I'm getting there. I'm advising a few companies now, but um, definitely really primarily focus on a lot of the account based activity that's happening right now.
1: That's awesome, and and I know that your career has kind of gone through a number of shifts over the years. And one of the key things that I see kind of continually come up is your your ability to experiment, your, your ability to test things, to try things, to enter into new arenas that maybe you know aren't fully what your day job is and to adapt and learn and things like that. What, what what was maybe the earliest side project that you recall working on outside of your day job back in the days?
0: Yeah. I mean, it it started when I was like 14. um, If we want to go back, but But, I mean, even in in school um, I was always trying to kind of have my own little hustles going on. Um, I think I was in, like fourth or fifth grade, and I, we, my neighbor and I, started a, a popcorn company, uh, where we would take popcorn out of my, his mom's cabinet, and we'd put like different flavorings and seasonings in it, and we called it HSP, uh, which was hot and spicy popcorn. Um, so that was like one of the first things. Like that's an awesome got. name. That is an awesome name. Yeah, um, I think Tabasco or somebody ended up doing it a couple of years ago, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> Um, they, they definitely ripped my idea, but we'd go sure. around and we'd, we'd put them in baggies, like 25 cent Ziploc bags. And then for like the holiday seasons, we'd do like green and red. Um, so we were just like kids. This is a legit uh, was, business
1: though. I mean, these are, they're making insane, you know, uh, insane profits in the popcorn business.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's big time. Um, if I were to, I should have pursued, it would have, uh, definitely IPO'd by now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I've always had kind of a, a side hustle or at least like a, some type of job, um, in high school, I was also like doing things like working at Cold Stone, uh, doing, passing out flyers for real estate agents, uh, working, uh, and doing my, my buddy's like dad's filing and things. So it's it kind of started at a young age. Um, my mom was a single mom and a foreigner, so she didn't really have much like, Input into like what she thought I should be doing outside of you should be a doctor or a lawyer It's kind of like the the two considerations initially um, but what I started to learn was that uh, There were many other other opportunities and things that I could do um, so I ended up actually starting my career In in college initially in, in entertainment And so in uh, while I was at chapman in california Um, I was at, oh, I was working for, I did an NBC Universal internship and an MTV internship. And so these, yeah, so that was like kind of my realization of there is, there's these big, big concepts, big businesses happening. I don't need to be intimidated by them. like I could actually, there's an opportunity to to get in there um, and it became a little bit realer and more realistic for me uh, once those things started to happen.
1: Well, that's re- that's a really interesting sort of uh, you know juxtaposition, right? So your mom's view of things was like doctor, the the traditional occupations, right? And then there's just everything that's going on in the media world, which seems so far away. And, and you know, maybe you're in California, so maybe it felt a little mm-hmm. bit closer. But um, you know, people, you know, I think the number one job that that uh, teenagers want to have when they grow up right now is influencer. That's the number one thing that I think 80% of the population is saying they want to be influencers, which how do you, how do you have 80% of people being influencers? That just seems crazy. crazy. But, but but you kind of were in there in the early, like in not, not the early, early days, but like you were in there when, what what were some of the
0: shows that were on TV when you were in that industry? Yeah. So once I graduated, I I started full-time at MTV. Um, So the shows I was working on were parental control, uh, which is like a dating show. I'm not, not, <laughs> not proud of that one. Um, and that and one of was on- the parents would watch the dates on TV. Did yeah, um, exactly. So uh, my job was to get people to go on MTV. So I did casting and I would go out, set up events, um, go up to random people, give them my business card. And I mean, there was times, this is kind of like a, a bad story, but there were times where we couldn't find people to get on the show and i think at one point we actually i ended up casting a brother and a sister that pretended like they were dating on the show uh because the girl really wanted to go on mtv and th- they did that um so that just to show you what kind of happens in the, oh, on the, reality, TV, the
1: re, yeah, reality yeah reality is real right the kardashians actually look like they yeah, are, yeah and everything yeah, is 100 on on point and i'm oh totally.
0: yeah 100 oh, yeah. um I got off that show and I ended up working on true life, which was a little bit more of like a respectable mm-hmm. documentary series is what it was. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what I realized like after a couple of years is just entertainment wasn't really for me. It was the celebrity type thing. Didn't really get me that excited and just the idea of being like a Lloyd from, um, entourage or like we're having to work your way up from the mail room and all that stuff. It just, it, didn't really appeal to me
1: and so when you had that realization you know I, I feel like how many years in were you in the entertainment industry when you had that I, well I
0: didn't turn for NBC for years so. it was I was pushing on like three and a half years
1: three and a half years yeah and I feel like yeah. that's those are the moments where we're like we're either going to do this the rest of our life and commit to this, or we have to make a change. Like I feel like that two, three, four year mark is like where people really feel like they need to shift. So you're, you're in California at the time. Right. And Mm -hmm. what was your, where was your head at? What, what, what options? Cause again, we're talking about like, sometimes we can get super focused on like, Oh, these are the options ahead of me and kind of lose the, the forest from the tree. Right. And like, so yeah. how, how did you start breaking away from that? How did you start figuring out what other types of careers exist and, and other things you could do?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the thing there is the, the, for one, there, there was some sacrifice that went into that, into each job um, that I've had. And like the sacrifice there was, I was commuting from Orange County to LA, which could be hours, like two and a half hours each way sometimes. Um, and then for the internships, they were unpaid. And so it was like one of those things initially where I was like, okay, this is like a lot of sacrifices. Like, when is this gonna start to pay off? And as, as exciting and, and glamorous as it was, it just, it, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, thankfully, so I look at it as a thankfully, but in like 2008, MTV laid off a lot of people. Um, So I was part of the group that was like, let go. Um, at that time, it, it wasn't a big deal to me because I was still pretty early in my career. It wasn't like I had kids or anything like that. Um, but it was like a time for me to reflect and figure out, okay, now I can go do something different. Um, so we, I actually, um, at the time, me and four other guys in California decided we should we should move and really change it up um, so we, we started to think of places to go, uh, even before I was even knew what industry I was going to go in or do anything. And we ended up doing four cities in a hat and we played the hat game. Uh, so it was like New York, Chicago, Barcelona, and like, uh, Buenos Aires, um, Chicago got pulled, And so f- me and four other guys individually came out here to chicago um shared an apartment it it was just one of those like weird moves where we all were on the same page kind of thing that's amazing what what age around was this too old to be doing that i think (laughs) we were like like 24 25 i don't know I i think that's fair i think
1: that's a fair age i did a i did a similar thing around that age maybe maybe a little even later um quitting my job and doing a road trip around the country. So, I mean, those those are the kinds of things I feel like doing that early on, especially before family, before, you know, larger life commitments, that's, it, it helps you be more secure in the decisions you make later. I feel like.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, I guess it's like that quarter life crisis kind of thing, but I think everyone needs to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I traveled a lot in my twenties. That was like my thing. Um, but that was, that was a big deal at the time. And the, the weird thing is I, I didn't have a job. So don't ever do that. But um, I was, one of my friends had already gotten here and he's like, Eddie, he's like, why don't you apply to some sales jobs? And, uh, and then I, all the like stereotypical things about mm-hmm. being in sales came to mind, which you could probably like assume pushy, sleazy, all those things. Um, and he's like, look, he's like your job now. Is to convince people to go on MTV. Like you're convincing people to go on. You're selling them on, putting themselves on 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 national TV. It's like so if you could do that in a business capacity, like you're basically doing sales. And so I applied to some sales jobs literally from the car while we were heading out, and we got here on a Friday. I interviewed. I had an interview lined up Monday, and by the that week, so it was a total week in Chicago. I I got the job. So I, all of a sudden I was in sales. Wow.
1: That's, yeah. that's, and just knowing that transferable skill and that story um, like that, I think people have a hard time connecting previous roles to future roles when they're trying to make a change like that. Yeah.
0: What was it that? Yeah, did, I definitely think that that's hard.
1: Yeah. Did you feel like when you sat down for that sales role, like I talk, I, I coach a lot of people in sales and, you know, they work in customer service. They work in a whole lot of different industries, but they just don't make that connection. What do you think? Like that barrier is that that folks
0: might be having. I th- I think that people need to. What what I think helped with me is that I'm I'm a very open person to open to the feedback I hear from my friends, my family, um, strangers. I, I listen, and so like when a friend like when he pointed that out, I I, I was listening. I wasn't like shutting it out. Um, And I think that's like a big part of it is that people just just want to hear what they want to hear or they just want to assume what they think they already know when there's people that might be telling them something they should pursue or consider. Um, So I think it's just a level of being open that that people remove.
1: That's really cool. And that actually harkens back to. Uh, one of our earlier episodes with Corey, who we're both friends with, and who actually uh-huh. reconnected with us because when you moved to New York, you right, get, we sort yeah. of lost touch, and then we just randomly met at this uh, networking dinner that so we were both invited. Yeah, like, and we're like you, wait, what? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah, and he had said the same thing. Um, I was talking to him about like how do you convince someone to buy your product, and he was like, "I listen to them," and it seems like yeah. that ability to listen is such a key it's a it's such a key skill in the sales world um and how do you have have you always had that did you develop that like what are the things that you do to improve your ability to listen
0: i i've always been a a pretty good listener um i don't really like to talk about myself actually very often and so inherently that's how i became like initially became a good listener um like if I were like when I was dating or when I'd go out with my wife before we got married, you know, she probably, like she would say, like, I don't really know much about you. Like what, can you like tell me some things? Um, so like that definitely was like a more of a natural thing that was happening. But when I look at where I am today, it's it's actually a lot of it leads back to this role that I had um, as a bellman. So I was a bellman for four really? years at the Marriott, yeah.
1: Explain what a bellman is for folks who might be hearing that for the first time.
0: Oh, um, I mean, you're like a bag boy, I guess would be that. But I was much more than a bag boy. I was a senior concierge. Uh, but you're you basically are like the front face of a hotel. Mm-hmm. So first thing people see, you're getting them in the room. You're making sure they're they're set up properly. You, I, I would actually drive the shuttle to the airport. Um, fun story. I drove Little John. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Rick Ross was with them too. That's awesome. Um, so during that job, I mean, a lot of it is like being able to conflict mediate, like bring down a, any conflict, or when somebody's angry, uh, they're uh, upset about their room or something. Like just being able to listen, address it, uh, and, and those type of like customer service skills face to face. That was, I mean, I use that now. I mean, in any job or any position you go to, there's, those skills are always gonna be important. Um, and then also at that job, it was a very business oriented hotel. And so I was ex- starting to get exposed to the business world in a strange way, but being uh, able to see like the way that things work and the way that interactions happen. So I, I was getting exposed to those type of things where I wouldn't have otherwise. And uh, really
1: quick pause, we cut out yeah. there for a second. Uh, before we cut out the question that was on my mind was, you know, you've been part of a lot of industries, um, sales and uh, entertainment, things that sort of have a bit of lore around them. And it, kind of what you said, you know, there's all the, you know, thoughts of what a salesperson is, or thoughts of what a celebrity is, before you get into that space. And I think once you're in there, you sort of see, you know, the the reality of it. And I'm kind of you know, having a background in reality. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious, what um, what are some of the things that maybe surprised you as you were in these fields and kind of learning about the day-to-day?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was good and bad uh, within both. So um, within entertainment, I guess it wasn't that surprising that it wasn't as going to be, I mean, I guess it was surprising that it, it wasn't as glamorous as uh, people might have expected or uh, what I would have thought. Um, like when I first got there, I was reading through scripts and and like really doing mundane things and um, and then even like as I got further into entertainment, it just it, even meeting when you start meeting people and stuff, it just wasn't as like glamorous to be to be frank. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised by the level of uh, like na- like human interaction I would still have with people, uh, mainly like like celebrities that were open and interested in hearing like what I do, where I'm from, um, my family, like just things that I would have assumed that they could care less about. Um, so that was like a, one of the, the, the two things there. Um, and then in the business world, especially what being at, at the hotel, I started to realize that like just because if somebody is a CEO doesn't mean they're a to- total jerk. Um, they're, I was meeting people that were running huge companies and and they they also were very Genuinely interested in who I was, and, and these are people that I would see regularly too, because they, you know, they'd come into the hotel a lot, um, and they'd ask me how my final exams went the week before, and they'd ask me how the that book that I was reading, like what what did I think in my opinion, and and I started to realize that like there was a very like personal level of uh, within both, uh, so that was very surprising for me uh, through both those those uh, different areas.
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Cause I feel like um, you know, that's one of those things where you're sort of told that you need to get better at social skills and soft skills and things like that. But then to meet people who have who are really good who like genuinely are really good at it, whether it's their personality type or they learned it or they, you know, have mm-hmm. and just understand how to take interest. And I think it's something that I I'm always trying to get better at. But I think that um, you know, you're sort of entering what most people would consider fairly intimidating environments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and talking to people that would normally make people nervous to be around. Like, I mean, folks get nervous just to go to a general networking event, and that's. Um, and I kind of noticed that is one of the things that you're really amazing at is building relationships quickly with pretty much anyone, <laughs> right? You, you, we were we were hanging out the other day, and you were talking about how you know your friends of you, you text. Uh, was it your dry cleaner or something? <laughs> yeah, my
0: dry cleaning lady. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: we're on a text basis. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like stuff that just blows my mind is a bit of an yeah. introvert and someone who comes from a, a family that's like, do not bother anyone ever for <laughs> anything. Um, yeah. Is again, is that is that just natural for you, or is that something that you've honed and developed, or maybe a bit of both?
0: I think I've been fortunate to that it's been natural. Um, I, I don't know what. Where and when it started, I think as a kid, I was in a a military family. We moved a little more than the average. Um, So I went to like a couple different elementary schools, but nothing like absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, My family being foreign also meant that we traveled a lot. So I was engaged and interacted with a lot of different cultures. I think uh, by the time I was like 20, 20, I'd been to like 30 countries or something. Um, and then just spending time overseas, like you really break down those barriers, uh, in terms of like the fear, um, it's, it's just similar. Like when you're learning a language, you know, it's like those initial first times you engage with somebody in, in another language. You have, it's like a fear that you have to really break through and get over. Um, so that kind of helped me. I mean, in high school, I was, I was always social. Um, I played multiple sports. I, I was like the homecoming king and like all that stuff um so i just i think what it was is i just genuinely liked people and their story like my friends always tell me that like you're always able to find the positive or like a, a story from the person and, and i think it's like it's just interesting to me like we're we're going through our day-to-day we interact with a lot of people and it's just it's more fun just to like know the background on that person, mm-hmm. uh, like where they're from and why are they, what are they doing here? And like, just like general questions. Um, but it's that type of engagement with people is, is really what led to like the, my last, like four different jobs. I mean, it was, it's things started to pick up and it was, a lot of it was attributed to that type of interest or that, that skill.
1: That's really cool because I think there's a couple of things that stand out in there. The first one is though you had maybe a, a, a more natural um inclination towards towards these kinds of social skills and your, you know, the way your personality developed, it doesn't mean that you didn't still have that sort of you, you mentioned earlier that fear. Like there is still like the fear of talking to someone in a new language or like doing you know but mm-hmm. you confronted those situations you put yourself in those situations um even this year you were talking to me about how you're trying to do more public speaking and different things like that mm-hmm. and that's one of the trends that i'm seeing i want to first of all come back to the idea of um this led to a lot of your jobs but as we as we go through and talk about you know what it is that has made your career your career and how you've been able to develop it so successfully what i'm what i'm super curious about is like those areas in which you know you needed to push yourself further you you've always had these side projects i'd love to dig a little bit into those side projects because i think having side hustles and building things on the side i would never have become a, a career coach if i didn't start doing networking events which then led to yeah. coaching which or which then led to like elevator pitch training which then led to brand coaching which then led to career coaching so i'm curious like you've had your your day jobs let's say and then you've had all of these other projects, and each yeah. one has probably helped you develop a different skill set, which probably played back into your job in a variety of ways. I'm kind of curious if, you know, w- if you could maybe walk us through a handful of the projects that you think were the most impactful in your life over the years.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I've always had a side project. Um, the so when I did to so kind of like go back to that first sales job. Um, First, that first job sucked. <laughs> I didn't get to finish that part. Uh, so it was very boiler room sales. It was um, come in, print your own leads, you know, just make dials the whole time. And so I knew that I I was still confident that I wanted to stay in sales, but it was gonna run out pretty quickly in mm-hmm. that place. Um, so I, re- I ended up meeting a person one day um, Just out watching. I was watching football on a Sunday, and there was a woman who had a a California San Diego Chargers jersey on, and I was from California, so we struck up a conversation, and it turned out she was running a company that was identical to what I was doing, but it was just her and a couple people, and so she was doing the same conference type sales that sponsorships that I was doing in this like boiler room job, Um, but she, she was doing it. On her own, and she had a really good network. And I started to look into like the the people she would have at her events, and they were all CMO of Best Buy, CMO of of Nordstrom's, and like all the like the, the top people. And that's when I kind of realized there was an opportunity uh, to make a move. Um, and it it wasn't going to happen just overnight. She was a small company. And so what that became to me was my like a side project um, where I knew it was an opportunity, but I wasn't jumping ship out of my full-time role necessarily. Uh, So she had a small office in the, in the Hancock tower in Chicago. And after work every day, I would go over there and from like 5 PM to 7 PM, I would do a lot of her admin stuff and just like, plugging in data for her and, the, and like slowly giving her like my feedback and my recommendations, offering to get on the phone for her and making calls. Um, so I started like going, it became like a daily thing where I was going there every day after work and I'd get home late, um, but I could see the big picture. And so I kept pushing through it. So I, I did that for about six months. And eventually she came to me and she was like, you know, we've been doing this for six months. Um, I want to extend a, f- a full time role to you. Uh, the The pay that she offered me was about three times what I was making at the time. Wow! Um, so it was just like a it was just a really cool opportunity. But it it took just that know how and like kind of that the real realization of an opportunity, um, and then just some extra sweat and equity. And I I kind of learned at that time that my most valuable asset was time Hmm. and just being able to allocate time and, and, and pursue something like that.
1: Were you being paid for those evenings that you worked for six months?
0: No, no, it was unpaid. That is such Uh, an important
1: thing to call out that so many people that I work with, I'm like volunteer somewhere, join an organization, work for free, build the brand, your personal brand, your experience and get out there. But they're like, well, if I work for free, then I won't get paid. And I'm like, well, you're currently not getting paid because you're in the job yeah. search. So what are you yeah. going to do? Wait a year before you make any money? And so I think that's such an interesting perspective to have taken, um, and and a leeway you've given yourself. It's it's almost like leaving more doors open, leaving more opportunities, or bringing more opportunities and putting them on the table. And so um, and it paid off three x, right? Yeah. It's not like you never got paid for that work. You just got paid after she hired you six months later. Right.
0: It it came back around. Um, I, I think people it's, it comes down to like the, it's a fear thing again. Mm. And so not everybody's in a a position to be able to do these things. Like I, I realized that I was fortunate enough to have a job that allowed that allowed for that type of flexibility to, to like fit it into my schedule. Um, But I think people, it's a combination of like fear and ego. Um, Ego is a big part. Mm. And if if you're unable to really strip that down and be willing to do something that might, it's not where you want to be now. But if you can't put your ego aside and just do it in the interim, like you're not going to get there kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and do you feel like you had to take a step back each time you made a transition in your career?
0: I, my next move from there, I took a step back and, um, I did that for a few years where we would put on this big, uh, forum for CMOs. It was all the CMOs of like the biggest companies. They all knew me. I used to sell all the sponsorships. so I would like, I got Yahoo and MasterCard and these companies that would give us money to come to the events. So that was, that became my role. Um, as I was going to these events and like, I got to meet people like Ray Kurzweil and different futurists that were in the tech world. I knew that tech was like the next move that I wanted to make. And so what I did was I ended up taking a job at a company here in Chicago called Groupon. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's they were, at the time they were tech for Chicago. The tech community has evolved immensely in Chicago since then. Um, But for me, it was, it was my break into tech and it meant a a pay cut. And so that there was a pay cut that I took to just get myself into the industry. And so that, that was that step back um, in my career, but it's what led to me really building a career in tech was just that initial, initial move.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you mentioned that you saw how it fit into the bigger picture, I think so often we're too focused on the short-term gains and losses and mm-hmm. we lose sight of the long-term benefit. And I know you're you're someone who thinks about, you know, properties and investments and all sorts of stuff that I'm I'm not even quite at that level yet. But I'm I'm always so curious how like someone will forego a little bit of money now that might get them to the bigger money yeah. um, because they're not getting the dollar amount they want today. And then on the flip side people who will take the first job that's given to them without really thinking about the long-term implications of where that'll lead you in your career. Yeah. Um, were there any things that you did early on or people or experiences that you were you were um, exposed to that gave you that sort of big picture thinking? I think for me, it was entrepreneurship, Tim Ferriss, a whole bunch of other things that were are now cliche, but I'm kind of curious, what opened your mind up to it? Or <clears throat> did you... Was that again something from your childhood and your travels and
0: things like that? I, I'm not, I mean, money was like actually like a always an important part growing up. Um, we didn't talk about money a lot, but we we weren't rich by any means. We we were definitely like living on the the lower side. Um, so I was motivated by money for sure, and I, I'd say I'm still motive, motivated by money today. I I don't know where it came where I started to. To put that aside and start focusing on the other aspects of of the career. Um, I, I had a mentor when I was doing the the events company, and I think he he used to instill those type of ideas in my head. And he would say things like, you know, like don't worry about what you're doing now. Like he's like, I know you're you're going to be my boss someday. And he would say things like that. Um, and and that kind of like instilled a level of confidence in me where I was like, this guy, he's a, he was a CMO of, of Bonton stores. Like he was like the CMO of like at retailers and he's saying things like I'm going to be his boss, but he, he generally, he just, he recognized that like my knowledge in tech and those things like eventually like would be helpful for me. Um, so I I think hearing those conversations allowed me to put the the money driven part aside and really just focus on what I was doing.
1: That's awesome. And, and, mentorship is something that comes up a lot when i'm talking to folks they they either want their companies to provide them a mentor they're like so what mm-hmm. kind of mentorship will i have in this job and i'm like and you're doing bad in this interview because you're asking the wrong questions. but <laughs> um but they either expect a mentor to be given which that's like expecting i don't know like a relationship to be given to you in, in my mind but like um or, or they just think that it's like something you can buy or, or all these different things. And and I think yeah. there's, you can get mentors from books, you can get mentors from YouTube, you can get mentors from, you know, taking online courses, you can get them in person, you can from coworkers workers and, and, and all sorts of different places. But I'm kind of curious, like, you, you talked about that as always like a very mentorship, like, what, what did that look like? Um, And how do how was that? sort? how did you find that mentor in your life?
0: Yeah, I mean, luckily it was it was somebody that I was working with, and it it's very challenging to to find that person. Um, my that mentor of mine actually passed away, um, and since then, I've never really had anyone like that um, to go to. And what that I, I what it, it's shown me is that I'm getting a little bit older than the people I work with now, so it's it's starting to happen. And so it just the fact that I've gone the last like ten years without someone like that has motivated me to be a mentor to, to others as much as I can. Um, so if if you can't find a mentor, you can always be a mentor, mm. and um, I think that's that's something that people forget is even if you're like five years into your career, you're five years ahead of the that person that just got hired. Um, so I do a lot of that now. I'm um, just trying to kind of give back because I, I feel like if I would have had someone like really helping me, it's just, it's it's only going to help accelerate their careers. And, and so I try to do that as much as I can now.
1: That's awesome. We were talking a little bit about the big picture. And when we talk about the big picture, time becomes a huge piece of what we start to think about. I think early on, we we sort of prioritize a lot of different things, but as we go on throughout our career, time becomes so much more important. And I'm kind of curious, you know, you mentioned that that's something you're putting a lot more thought into. How, how have you seen that change over the years and how do you sort of think about time
0: these days? Time's one of those things where the more, the older I get, the more I realize like anything I do is attributed to my ability to create time for myself, for personal, for professional. Uh, one of my friends, uh, his, his name's Drew, He, um, he was telling, we were talking about this actually, and he was saying, he's like, you know, people tell me that, uh, they don't want to get up early in the morning because they're, they're not morning people. And he's like, well, like what, what kind of person are you? Are you, does that mean you're like a night person? So you're up all night? Like nobody's like a morning person. Mm. Um, but you train yourself to, to do that in an effort to create more time for yourself throughout the day. Uh, I was initially turned on to this by a podcast called uh, the 5-hour, no, 5 a.m. Miracle Morning Podcast. Cool. And yeah, this guy's whole thing is just like, look, you get up at 5 a.m., he's like, you're giving yourself like two, three extra hours in the day that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, so I've, I've taken that to full heart. I don't get up quite at five. I think I'm pushing more like 5.45 Maybe like five thirty, um, but that little amount of like change allows me to to figure out, how, give me more time during the day to work on things outside of just my day to day. So at each different stage of my career, I've always been doing things on the side, and and people are like, well, how the hell, like, how are you doing this? Like, well, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's mornings, it's nights. You know, I have a daughter now; she's just two and a half, so it's even harder now. But you're still able to do it. You just have to make, make time. Yeah. Uh, But it's definitely the most valuable commodity um, for, for all of us.
1: And it's so much different than the mindset you hear of, Oh, once I have kids, I guess I have to stop doing all the things I love. Got to stop being part of these groups. Got to It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's just about prioritization. And I feel like so often one of the greatest things to do is to sit down and actually add up what you do with your time and analyze yeah. it like legit. Um, oh, wow, I thought that I was sleeping eight hours, but really I was waking up and then laying in bed for an hour looking at Imgur or something Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Um, and just realizing that like, there is so much time wasted that is so passive, we don't even see it.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, I think the most crucial part of time being wasted is like the final part of your day i just i think that we all have a a custom this habit of just like i need to turn off so i need to watch some tv and like sure like i I get it i do it too every night for like Mm -hmm. an hour or two but i still make sure i'm going to bed early enough to where i can get up early enough and to be as productive as i want to be i think it's easy to get sucked into that like you know i'm just now i'm just sitting up so i i I've catch myself like kind of like setting parameters around, like almost like setting rules of myself. Like in 10 minutes, you're going to, you're going to get up, you're going to turn off the TV, walk away. Um, it doesn't matter if the episode's over. Like it's not, we live in a day of on demand. Um, so that that's like one thing. Um, and then the other thing is just in terms of like the weekends. I mean, we, we, like the weekends are a time to rest and relax, but that doesn't mean you don't need to take like two, three hours of the day to get some stuff done. Hmm. Um, some people aren't really into that. I mean, they they feel like we we already work enough, but if you want to do things outside of your day to day and you want to make a transition or a move, maybe you have to do that for a couple months. It's yeah. just, it just depends what you're trying to do.
1: And I think it's also re refocusing what work is right. I think, A lot like this is technically work for me, right? Like creating content, but it's, it's enjoyable and it's something that I look forward to. And so when I'm doing it, it's not like when I was doing spreadsheets in my first job on the weekends and I hated everything in life, Uh it's a completely different thing. And, you know, I'm fine being on a call till six, I'm fine working on the weekends and editing at night. And I think... Um, so much of it becomes like the question you probably get asked is like, well, how do you do it all? How do you have your job and your family and your side projects? It's like, well, it's, it's by not doing other things, um, or by making more time for these things. And one of the biggest changes that I've seen is that you will fill, it's almost like if you buy a house that's too big, you will buy enough stuff to fill those rooms. If you Mm -hmm. open up your day with enough time, you will find things to waste that time with. And so when I look at a day and it says you're free from this block till this block and it's a big chunk of time, I'm like, shit, I'm going to be way less productive in that time block. (laughs) When I look at my calendar and it's back-to-back stuff with 20 minutes in between stuff, I'm like, those are going to be some serious 20 minutes of getting some shit done. Uh And I feel like... yeah, that that approach really helps. And for me, it's it's deadlines too. Um, setting a goal to be on a live stream every morning at 8 a.m., I, I've never had such a consistent sleep schedule in my entire life. And yeah. like just a little change like that. And the coolest thing is once you start doing these things, it forces you to look at and confront other areas of your life where you're not performing at your best. In order to go to bed on time, you have to, Contend with the other people in the house who are preventing you from getting to bed at time. (laughs) As you actually have to learn how to deal with conflict, how to deal with people, how to how to negotiate. Like there's all these amazing opportunities to learn that come out of putting a a restriction in one area of your life.
0: Yeah, I mean, the funny part about the like the negotiation thing, like I it was like a year ago. I was like, I'm going to start going to the gym in the mornings. I can't do afternoons. Um, I'm going to go from 7:30 to 8:30, And my wife was just like, no, you're not. That That's like the prime time when our daughter wakes up. Like you're not, that's not when you're going, you can't go to the gym in the mornings. Like, don't even think about it. So it. that's when I started going to the gym at six. So I'm done by seven. I'm back before either of them are even awake. Um, so that there, that's funny. You mentioned that, but I think what you were like kind of touched on, for a second back there was, um, when you're putting in the extra hours, like you mentioned, you said on the weekends you were doing spreadsheets and you were doing like some stuff that wasn't enjoyable. I think it's also a big, a huge factor is like, when you actually enjoy what you're doing, Mm -hmm. it's not such a big burden to add in those extra hours. Yeah. Um, when I'm working after work, like I have, I have a startup, it's been about a year and a half and we've got like 20 customers. Um, it's more. It's just fun. Like I'm like, this is my baby. I'm building this myself. Everything that we do, every deal we close, is like coming direct to us. Like it's it's cool. Um, so it doesn't become as much work. It's it's just more of like a fun challenge. And mm. so it's it's okay to fill those hours with something, because it's a little more fun.
1: A hundred percent, dude. And like I think. I think that's really what we're trying to talk about here. It's like all the experimentation you've done throughout your life and your career, all the new things that you've learned, it keeps pushing you. It, it It's like, it's almost, it's almost like a funnel, right? You're like trying a ton of stuff mm-hmm. and then less and less and less. And it's like, well, now of course I want to wake up and do this thing because that's what I do. And, and I like this idea of, um, I study a lot of stoicism of like once you've said you're going to do something, it's, it's not a question of if I'm going to do it. It's just this is the duty. This is what I do. I just, I just go, I show up. I don't even like contemplate the weather before I walk out the door. I just put on the jacket and show up. And, and I think once you get into that rhythm, I mean, the people that are the most productive are the people who have the most going on. There's a great quote of like the person that I don't want to give the project to is the person who has all the time in the world to do my project.
0: Nice. Yeah. Person
1: will never get it done.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, it's so true. Yeah. Um, no I, it yeah it's on. it's a it's a good point i mean if if you can get in that routine, um my director here um at my full time job he's he's told me before he's like i just i really appreciate how like when you say you're gonna do something you just do it and that i think that's a big it's just holding yourself accountable mm-hmm. like if i'm gonna verbally external externally say hey, i'm gonna do this it's part of like kind of like a strategy I do with myself it's like well, oh, you said it out loud, like, now you got to do it. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, once you just get in the routine, though, it doesn't take that long. Everybody's, mm-hmm. we've all read the books of like, the power of habit and all these books that talk about it, like, it's what, it's uh, 30 days of something, um, whatever the, the number is, but it's like, everyone can do it. Yeah. Right? So I think it's just a matter of like, breaking through that. Yeah,
1: I'm two months into the live stream, and I'm waking up before my alarm now. So it's like, it goes yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, you, you, go. you, you adjust pretty fast, and I went to bed at two or three last night because I, I decided to launch a yeah, Patreon. Yeah, I think I got I don't normally do that, but I decided to launch a Patreon <laughs> account last night, and then I got sucked up the oh, nice. Um But yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and so those are the kinds of things that I think are really fascinating, and I think this concept of like, you know. You, you keep chipping away at, at the block and eventually you start to see the sculpture emerge and you're like, all right, that's what it is. That's the, that's where I'm headed with this. Our internet is unstable. I really hope we don't get kicked off right in the end here. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so uh, I want to, I want to do a, a quick recap of my favorite points of the conversation so far. And then I'm going to ask you the final question okay. and then I'll let you go cool. for the evening. Um, all right, cool. My, my big takeaways here are number one, listen. Listen to yourself and listen to others and don't jump You know to a defensive mode. Like actually hear what people are saying that you're good at or bad at or should be doing or shouldn't be doing and see if you can be critical and, and incorporate it. Number two, experiment. Try lots of things to figure out what you're good at and push the boundaries of what you, know, you could be good at. Um, look at the big picture and use your time wisely. So thank you for those amazing takeaways today. I'm really yeah, excited to awesome, share man. these out. Um, and my for last sure. question for you is if oh, you no. could go back, I know the cheesiest questions, right? That's what <laughs> um, we do no. here at Career Therapy. <laughs> if you could go back to uh, Eddie at an early part in your career, you get to pick the age, but it's got to be early on. Um, All right. what, would, what would you say to that? What age would it be? And what would you say to that version of yourself?
0: Yeah, I think... I would go back to that 25 year old who just moved to Chicago. Um, so that, that job was, like I mentioned, uh, just making 120 calls a day, three hours of talk time. You had to earn computer time because we didn't have computers. Um, so I would tell myself then, you know, everything you're doing right now sucks, um, but it is gonna pay off in the long run. Uh, cause each of these cold calls you're making is just more experience that you're going to apply in a different way later on. Um, but don't hate yourself. Don't hate your life every day right now. Cause it's going to be okay. Uh, that would be the advice. Don't hate your life right now. It's going to
1: be okay. I
0: love it. <laughs> that's a, That's the a kind it of was inspiration. Brutal, man. It was like one of those jobs where you go downstairs to grab lunch and like everybody's down there, like chain smoking, stressed oh, out. Man. And I uh, was just like, don't worry. The, it, it's going to pay off. That's awesome.
1: Well, Eddie, I really appreciate you joining. I appreciate you dealing with all the technical issues. Uh, Hopefully we didn't lose too much. Uh, If we did, we'll redo it, but uh, where can people find you and what would you like to maybe share out or promote uh, to the community?
0: Uh, Let's see. Yeah. I think LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Uh, Just my name. It's pretty easy to find. Um, I I promote my startup because that's, my new baby it's uh, partnerportal.io, and if you want to go check it out let me know what you think um always interested to get new users to, to try it out
1: i love it well thank you so much for joining us enjoy the rest of your evening and uh best of luck with everything appreciate you stopping by all right man
0: good talking Thanks, to man. you all right see you man
1: Hey there listeners, thanks for hanging out to the end of the episode here. Martin back with a quick request for you. If you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to head over to our Patreon page and support what we're doing here at Career Therapy. Our entire goal with the content that we create is to help people build confidence in their careers and land jobs that are great fit for their lifetime. If you join our Patreon for just the price of a cappuccino, a cup of coffee once per month, you can get access to direct message coaching, live streams, the podcast, and even some exclusive content. We have a couple other tiers that include group coaching and one-on-one coaching as well, if you're interested in those things. But I just wanted to say thank you for listening. For those of you who are able to support the podcast in in other ways and and maybe become a financial contributor here on Patreon. I very much appreciate you keeping the lights on here. And I hope that everything is going well in your career and your job search. I'll see you on the next episode.